Hello and welcome to episode 188 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox. With me in Vienna, Virginia is Ben Olson. Ben, I'm going to see you tomorrow. It's weird. That is weird. We're going to uh, have fun. What are we doing at UVA? We are going to talk about the changes to the LSAT in 2019 for two minutes and 46 seconds <laughs> yeah uh-huh. <laughs> and then um we will open the floor to questions on anything and everything and i suspect that we'll talk for an hour and uh get people straight about <laughs> so many random things all sorts of things yeah i've never been to uva how far is that from your place um it's about two and a half hours jesus yeah you ready for a long road trip? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's not actually two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> yeah, not sure. Even. No, I, yeah, I'm ready for a road trip. It sounds great. What, how long? How far did you think it was? <laughs> I had no idea. I don't know. I it sounded close. It's going to yeah. be fun because when I come and see you, I I get to be like no responsibilities. So yeah. mm-hmm. you just you'll yeah you can just show for me around. It's great. Yeah. No, Perfect. Yeah. I did just check. It's about two and a half hours. But um, let's see. There's a lot of good um, wineries and stuff out there. Oh, okay. Does that help at all? <laughs> They'll be closed by the time we get there. But. Yeah. I was gonna say. <laughs> I don't think we're going to wineries after our thing. At. <laughs> Um, well, anyway, I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, it's great. Uh, today on the show, we are going to get around to that, uh, fundamental that we didn't get to last time. The advanced, uh, advanced conditional reasoning one. We are going to read a personal statement and we have a ridiculous tutoring offer from Kaplan. If there's time, this isn't, (laughs) I think again, it's Kaplan, uh, trying to hire people. Okay. So we can laugh about that a little bit. Uh, this show is going to air on Monday, April 15th. That means it's four days before the release of the uh, March LSAT scores. Mm-hmm. We have our fingers crossed for you if you're waiting for that score. April 23rd, I'm going to be in Seattle uh, at Seattle University at 1230 in the afternoon. Please go to our uh Instagram or our website to RSVP for that event. May 1st coming up is the last day to register for the June LSAT. I really don't think you should register unless you're sure you're taking it in June. If you are, you should take it. You should register now. But if you're not 100% sure, if your practice tests aren't where you want them to be, you should probably just wait until um, a lot closer to May 1st to sign up. Yeah. You can email the show, help at thinkinglset.com. Uh, when you do that, if you send us a selfie, we would appreciate it. You can listen all sorts of ways to the show. Tell your friends, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, Thinking LSAT, we're everywhere. Um, make sure you review us if you get a chance. Just uh, click the five stars and uh, write a few nice words about us. We would really appreciate it. Demon updates, Ben? You want to talk about the demon? Yeah, we um, we had the whole crew working on the demon on Tuesday. <laughs> Amazing! We've assembled quite a uh, quite a team, haven't we? Yeah, I think that there were at least six people working on it. Basically, no, actually, probably eight. The developers were making changes, and then people were testing those changes. We, of course, uh, still miss stuff. 
but we are so much closer. The challenge that we are facing, and I think I was emailing you about this earlier, is that people would do timed sections. They would then want to review the timed sections, which is wonderful. That's exactly what they we want them to do. But we we are having trouble displaying their results, the reading comp passage, the reading question, and our explanations all on one screen, right? Like how do you get all that together in sort of a coherent way that's not chaotic? And then it's one thing to do it on a laptop. It's another thing to do it on your phone. (laughs) But we figured out a way to do it. And in the process, we did break some things. But we know exactly how it's going to look, and it's I'd say it's 90% there. And so within a matter of time, I would say the next sprint, it will be done, and people will be able to review their time sections and see everything that they need to see to understand the explanations and also see the results. So I'm excited about that. Cool. I have an announcement for the June LSAT. Oh. It's kind of a tangent, but so the June LSAT's on uh, June 3rd, I believe, right? Okay, yeah. Um, I'm just looking at the calendar here really quick. Yes, June 3rd. So that's a Monday, right? And on Monday, May 27th, exactly one week before the June LSAT, CrossFitters around the world are doing Murph. Have I told you about Murph? No. Okay, so Murph is a workout that um, Sergeant Murph, I think that's his name. I'm assuming it is. Anyways, used to do and this is the guy who died in that movie uh the lone survivor i think oh shit yeah uh yeah so anyways in honor of him on memorial day crossfitters around the world at least from what i understand do the murph workout well this is one of his workouts but they do and it's called the murph or, or murph or something like that but in any case it's it's a mile run uh 100 pull ups 200 push ups 300 air squats and then another mile run, all while wearing a 20-pound vest. And I'm trying to get ready for that. And I feel like a test taker in some way because it's like a week before the June LSAT and I'm not where I need to be. But at the same time, I'm like chipping away at it every week. So right now I can do 45 pull-ups and I can do the 200, well, I think I, I can do like 160 push-ups, but I'm using a 38-pound vest because my idea is that I'm hoping that I can, you know, take out the weight on the actual day and it'll be easier. I mean, it should be easier, but it's still like I cannot go beyond that, right? Except every every week I go like four four or five reps higher or something like that. In any case, I'm just throwing that out there that, Although my LSAT days are over, I am shooting for this new goal, and it's kind of like I'm studying along with everybody else. It's very challenging, and if I can hit it, if I can do this, it's kind of like a 170. I mean, the reality is I'm not going to be able to do it as fast as some people do it. Some people do it as fast as like 30 minutes. I'm probably going to take a whole hour. But if I can do the whole thing with the vest, I would consider that like a 168, 170 accomplishment. Are you trying to make me feel bad about myself? No, I'm not trying to make you feel bad about yourself. Does it make you feel bad? (laughs) No. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) I didn't think it would. What would make you feel bad? (laughs) Um, No, nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Yeah, good. Yeah. 
Wow. Okay. So yeah, you're, you're, um, well, Hey, since I've known you, Ben, you've been in a constant process of self-improvement. So that's, that's great. Well, whether I've actually, <laughs> so, yeah, I've been in a process, whether anything has actually happened is another question, but, um, you know, if anyone out there has any advice, I'm all ears for, uh, Murph tips. So just, yeah. Which one was high. he in the movie? I don't know. I haven't seen the movie. So that's another goal. I'll go see the movie before that. It, it was, was a good pretty movie, good. Right? Yeah. yeah, it was pretty good. It opened with um, a bunch of scenes from like Navy SEAL training, mm. like real Navy SEALs. Yeah. And it just, it was, I mean, dude, the shit that those guys go through, it's wild. It's like, it's it just is insane what they do. And yeah. so that was, you know, to see that in the, in the big theater, you know, see it on the big screen what these dudes are doing. I don't know. It just like sort of primed you for getting into the movie. That was mm. good. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So I guess it's time to dive in, huh? To these, uh, want to do the fundamentals? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So the fundamental today is going to be advanced conditional reasoning. And I guess Boy, advanced conditional reasoning, Ben. You know, I'm getting farther and farther away from ever diagramming anything. Yeah. As I'm writing these explanations now for the uh, for the demon, there are lots of questions that you know have some conditional reasoning in them. Yeah. And I am just not ever diagramming any of them. Like this is not how. It's just not how you're supposed to solve those questions. I mean, it's just not the easiest way. Yeah. Uh, but we do need to talk about linking conditionals together. There's just a couple little quirky things about the way conditionals work. I mean, it's also common sense, right? You could figure this out for yourself. Yeah. If you think it through, you really would be able to figure it out. But... And so that means that you don't need to memorize any of this shit mm -hmm. because if you forget it, you just figure it out again. <laughs> That's like what I do with, um, exponent rules, Ben, like, you know, do you, when you, I mean, sorry to get mathy for a second for the listeners, but, um, are you trying to make me feel bad? <laughs> no, nah, you're a math guy. Um, <laughs> You know, when you know how when you like multiply exponents together or when you um when you raise a power to a different power. Yeah. There's different rules for those, right? Mm -hmm. Um but you could memorize them. Yeah. But you could also, if you ever forget, you can just figure them out by you just take like two squared times you know, three squared and you figure out what the answer is. And then yeah. you can sort of like infer backward. You can remember the way the exponent rule works. Yeah. All right. So all this shit that we're going to talk about right now with advanced conditionals, you can do the same. It's, it's not, this is not rocket science, but let's talk about what happens when we link conditional rules together. Okay. Where, where do you start? Do you teach like a formal lesson on this or what? I actually don't. I, I talk about, um, I like to give examples of conditional statements linking together to show students what a valid argument looks like. Right. 
Because a lot of times people don't realize, oh, like valid means the conclusion has to be proven and there's no way around it. And conditional is kind of make an easy avenue for showing that. But other than that situation, I always just explain stuff in the context of an example. So like when we do games, in-out games, you know, you might end up linking together two if-then statements. But even then, as we've been talking about, a lot of times I'm just showing them like, hey, you could do this or statement in the out group or this or statement in the in group, or you could create two worlds on the basis of this if-then statement. It doesn't mean that none of the if-then statements could be or even should be linked together. I mean, couldn't be linked together or, you know, maybe they should be linked together. But I don't know. It just doesn't come up as often as you'd think. <laughs> and, and and when you start talking about some and most and all that stuff, it starts to get confusing. And it's easier for people just to try to understand each individual sentence. You know, when logical reasoning questions have formal logic, they tend to be very short. So just take each clause and make sure you really understand what that is saying. And then, voila, that usually <laughs> makes it clear. Yeah, I mean, more than anything, that's our constant message of the Thinking LSAT podcast, basically, is like, read that shit carefully and think about it, and it all just kind of makes sense. You should be able to unwrap this stuff, unravel this stuff yourself. I think that sometimes people get frustrated because they hear us say that and they say, well, no, it's not easy. And I'm trying very hard. And like when you say it's easy, you know, fine, it's easy for you, but it's not easy for me. And I think that that's us maybe just failing to (laughs) illustrate better what it means to try to understand a sentence. Like what we're talking about is in a formal logic question, you you literally have like three very short independent clauses and you take the first one and you try to understand it on an intuitive level. That means you try to visualize what they're saying. If they say that most party members um, are, you know, representatives or something like that, then I would think to myself, okay, I have a group of 10 party members most of them are representatives, so at least six of these people are representatives. And and now I've taken something that's abstract and I've turned it into something that's concrete. I got ten people standing here, six of them, at least six of them are representatives. Does anyone is anyone confused right now? No one in the classroom is ever confused. It's like, okay, now what if some of these people did something else? Oh, okay, well, okay. Would it have to be the representatives? No, it wouldn't have to be. So no one's confused. But the problem is people aren't taking the time to visualize and see what's actually being said because this stuff isn't really that complicated. Yeah. That's what we mean by it's not complicated. But you're not taking the time to to make that concrete and therefore, eh, like it is abstract and kind of fuzzy feeling. Yeah. If you have no idea what party members are and what committee we're talking about and what officers or whatever, then sure. You're just like playing, you're, you're in this realm of fiction that's Mm -hmm. real hard to follow, but you could also just make it concrete for yourself with an example. Right. Yeah. 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 Now I know we were going to go into specifics here, but I feel like that's, that's one way to solve these problems is just to take them and make them concrete. 
they don't give you numbers when they say most uh, representatives are female, but you can just come up with a number like 10. It's the number I usually come up with because it's easy to visualize. And then I say most of them are female. Okay, so you got more females than males here. Done. Okay, perfect. Um, so maybe we start with the definitions of, I guess, just some and most. Well, what are there? There's none, some, most, and all. And then I'd add not all to that just because uh, it comes up a lot and it's kind of confusing. Okay. So none means zero. All means yep. 100%. Mm-hmm. Not all means just the opposite of 100%. Everything except 100%. Is that right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. So, so anywhere you, from mm-hmm. zero, including zero, not all. Mm-hmm. If I have not all of the Ferraris, I could have zero Ferraris. Or I could have all except one Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> um the example I like to give in class is I ask people, I say, what if I told you that not all planes fly? You know, that's something that people definitely agree with. They're like, yeah, there's not all planes fly. And then I say, what does that mean? And invariably you get people who say, oh, okay, so, so some, some of them are flying. <laughs> You're like, no, we didn't talk about that at all. We only just said that not all of them are flying. So yeah, some of them could fly, but... It's also possible that none of them fly. All I know is that at least one doesn't fly. Yeah, it's a fact that not all humans have set foot on Mars. Mm -hmm. It's also a fact that zero humans have set foot on Mars. So not all has to include zero. Yeah. Cool. Um, Okay, so then I guess we got to talk about some and most. Yep. Some means at least one. And in logical reasoning, I almost always translate some to that phrase because I feel like it helps me recognize how weak of a claim it is that I'm looking at. Yeah, some is very wide, very wide, it has a very wide range, right? It's the opposite, it's the logical opposite of none. Mm -hmm. So zero is zero. Everything else is some, not none is some. Yeah. And it's anywhere from one to all. Mm-hmm. Okay. And most? Most is at least half. Most is at least half. So. Oh, wait. I shouldn't even say that. <laughs> more than half. What did I say? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. More than half. Right. Just yeah. one hair more than half. Yep. A- a- all the way up to all. Most, yep. most humans eat food. Yeah, that's true. Also, all humans eat food. You know, what's confusing for some sometimes is I'll say, okay, so some means at least one. And so it could mean most, I mean, it doesn't, Mm -hmm. it it could be a situation in which most people are doing something, right? Or it could be a situation in which all people are doing something. And, And when I say that to people, people are like, wait a sec. So does that mean that some means most. And it's like, no, it just means at least one. So what must be true is that you have at least one person or thing or whatever. Um, but what could be true, so you have to distinguish between what could be true and what must be true. It could be true that there's more than half. It could be true that all people have that characteristic. If you say some people like ice cream, maybe everyone likes ice cream. 
it's just that it's something that could be true. It certainly doesn't have to be true. I, I'm not sure why um, people walk away with that conclusion. Uh, maybe it's the way I'm describing it, but sometimes people think, oh, that means that some means all or something like that. And it's like, no, uh, no it just could be all. Yeah, it includes the possibility of all. It's an extremely wide range. It's everything other than none. Mm-hmm. So one to a million. Yeah. Okay. So then we need to talk about a few common patterns for ways that these rules link together or just common, common principles that pop up on the test, I guess. First is that some goes both ways. Yes, that's a good one. That's, mm-hmm. that's important to know. So if some lawyers are assholes, if that's the fact that some lawyers are assholes, then it's also a fact that some assholes are lawyers. Yep. Okay. And some is the uh, the only one that has that characteristic. Can't go both ways with most or all. Well, with most, it reverses into some. And it does reverse into some, but I think it's probably easier to talk about how that doesn't happen at first. <laughs> And then talk about how there's an exception. Right. right. Well, so. most does not mean most. So if most uh, lawyers are assholes, that does not mean that most assholes are lawyers. There can be all kinds of assholes out there that aren't lawyers. Yeah. Another way of thinking about this is if you said most cats are gray, you can't turn around and say most gray things are cats, right? There's so right. many more gray things in the world than cats. So, yeah. Right. So, but it does reverse to some. So when you say, um, if you say most cats are gray, then it does mean that some gray things are cats. Yes. Okay. Um, I guess all also reverses to some, doesn't it? It does. If you said, um, yeah, all humans breathe, then you could reverse that as some breathing things are human. Yep. Not most, because there's lots of other things that breathe, but some for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's see. But so what we can't do is we can't say all <laughs> cats are gray, therefore all gray things are cats. It's the same problem as most and most. Right. Okay. And so then we have to talk about just a couple of uh, common patterns where they link them together. Sure. So if they say most A's are B's and most B's are C's. Can we infer anything from that? Like a most C. Yeah. So if most A's are B's and most B's are C's, then you have to have at least one A that's a C. Right. So it's sum. So when you combine two mosts together, it becomes a sum. Yeah. A most B and B most C means A sum C. And then the sum also, since sum always reverses, it would also be able to, you'd also be able to infer that uh, there's some C's that are A's. Yeah. Okay. I think an example might help here. Yeah, um, go. If you, if you have uh, 10 apples, for example, right? And if you say most of those apples, most of those 10 apples are red, then you know at least six of them are red. And if you say um, 
most of the red apples are rotten, then you would know at least four of them are rotten. So you now have at least four apples that are rotten and they're apples. So that's how you can get to some. All right. How about this pattern that they do from time to time on the LSAT? I've seen uh, at least a couple logical reasoning questions where it's a must be true question and it follows this pattern. I'll say it in the abstract and you can do an example if you want. Um, Wait, hold up. So yep. my example was not good. Oh. Right? Like, I, I just messed that up. Sorry, Cash. Um, well, I said mo- most, what did I say? Most apples are red. And then then the real thing should be most things that are red are rotten. Right? That would be a most and a most combined. So if you if the principles are... Most apples are red, and by the way, red apples are disgusting. All apples should be green. Most apples are red, and most red things are rotten. Yeah, that's actually not the situation that we usually see on the test, is it? Usually what we see is that most apples are red, and most apples are rotten. Therefore, at least one apple is both red and rotten. Well, that's the example I was going to get to. So this yeah. is, if if they give you all a... RB and all A are C. All A's are B's, all A's are C's. Mm-hmm. Then you can combine that as uh, some B's are C's and sure. some C's are B's. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's actually on a few different logical reasoning questions where it turns out to be a must be true. And they'll give you like all apples are red. And all apples are rotten. Sure. Of course, both of those statements are not true, but we have to accept them as premises, especially when the question stem says, if the above is true, which one of the following must be true? Yeah. And you can pick a correct answer there that says some red things are rotten. Yeah. Because if all apples are red and all apples are rotten, then there has to be some red things that are rotten. Not most and not all, but there has to be some uh, overlap between red and rotten. If And it's like, oh, which ones? Well, apples. If all apples yeah. are red and all apples are rotten, then some things that are rotten are red and some things that are red are rotten. Okay. Um, what else do we need to talk about? I guess when we combine mosts together in a chain... What if it's A most B and B most C? Yeah, that's the one where you actually can't you can't conclude anything. Right? That was the example I was the second one I was saying. Okay, so you so you actually can't conclude anything from that. Yeah, because if you say if you say most apples are red, and then you say most red things are rotten, well, it's possible that the the red, red things is so big that even though most of them are rotten, all the apples that are red are within the minority of unrotten things. Yep, that's right. And that was the example I was thinking of, and I kind of got that twisted around. But anyways, yeah. So, okay, how about if we combine alls and sums together? So. 
Mm-hmm. This this example, this is actually fairly common. A some B and all Bs are C. Oh, that works. Yeah, yeah. If you say some some A's are B's. Uh-huh. And then you say all B's are C's. Yep. Then you know some A's are C's as well. Right. Because there's A's that are B's. And if all B's are C's, then that means A's have to also be C's sometimes. Yeah. So if some apples are bananas and all bananas are <laughs> cherries, <laughs> then some apples are really cherries. Okay. But if you flip it backward, if you do the all first and then the sum, so if you say all A's are B's and some yep. B's are C's. That's a problem. That's a problem. Right. Yeah, if you say that all B if you say all A's are B's, if you say all apples in the world are bananas, the problem is is that other things could be bananas as well. Right? Like maybe all apples are bananas, but all trees are bananas too. I mean, I know that sounds a little confusing, but it's possible that there are multiple things that are considered bananas. Like for example, actually a better example would be something like all cats are mammals. Okay, sweet. Right. All of them. And it's like, oh, and you know what? Some mammals uh, have no legs. It's like, okay. Um, I don't know if that's true. Yeah. I think of it. Whales, Whatever. dolphins. Oh, yeah, of course. Thank you. This is not a biology class because um, <laughs> I would claim no expertise in that. But in any case, if you say some mammals are legless, then you couldn't turn around and say, well, I know that all cats are mammals, so some cats must be legless. No, maybe the ones that the other mammals, the other things that feed into right. being a mammal. Right. But if we did it the other way around, if we said some mammals are legless mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all mammals uh, breathe oxygen, yep, then it's it has to be true that some legless things breathe oxygen. Yeah. Okay. Anything else we need to talk about on advanced conditional reasoning? I would say the main takeaways are one, don't diagram to just deal with each clause one at a time and try to understand it. And by understand it, I mean, visualize sets of things. I almost always use sets of 10. Okay. Yeah. Round numbers work. I think a hundred would also work. Yep. Most means 51% or more. Mm -hmm. And you can just figure that shit out. You can just sort of personalize it for yourself. Make up little examples in your head. Yeah, like we talked about a lot of rules, you know, like going forward, backward, all that stuff. It's going to be hard, I think, for people to remember it. I mean, in some ways, I don't even remember what we talked about. But it's like if you visualize what this claim is saying, you visualize, oh, all cats are gray. Well, it's like, okay, I got 10 cats, and now I see they're all gray. Like it's so much when, – when I start like – asking people in class to visualize this it's very rare for people to get the question wrong because then they're like oh oh oh, and then most of those things have this other characteristic okay well then those there must be at least some gray things that have that character characteristic it's i don't know it just becomes much more concrete and obvious and you don't have to memorize the rules as much yeah i don't i mean i i just don't recommend that people memorize these rules at all i think it's worth encountering them you know it's like so that's the purpose of talking about them on this fundamental yeah, yeah. But you're going to have to see aware them. Of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to have to see them on real LSAT questions and you're just going to have to sort it out because there's no point in memorizing, trying to memorize all of these patterns. 
They could always come up yeah. with a new pattern. Yeah. All right, great. Moving on? Yeah. Okay. Pearls versus turds. Someone tweeted this at me. So uh, thanks, Grass Mud Horse. That's at the Seaman Can on Twitter. Hmm. Someone uh, tweeted at the show with uh, hashtag Pearl versus Turd. <laughs> Um, so here's, this is from, um, the LSAT Reddit forum, I guess. And here's the tip. Ready? It says for reading comprehension, work on timing. And to do that, read books, read whatever you enjoy reading in addition to your other studying and force yourself to read way too fast until your brain catches up and it becomes comfortable. Hmm. <laughs> I'm trying, Nathan, I'm pausing because I'm trying to find the, the merit in this. <laughs> well, if it would have just said, read what you enjoy reading, I would fully endorse it. I say that in my classes all the time. Like I bring in books that I've finished and try to give them away to my students and just try to encourage them to read shit. That's, that's fun because the more you read, the better reader you're going to be. That's kind of obvious. You have physical y'all. books, dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm. I like a, I like a physical book. Mm. I have started doing audio books. I did uh, I love audio sapiens. Books. You mentioned that oh, on the show that. before. Yeah. 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 The problem is that I, I uh, space out. When I'm oh, doing, really? yeah, it's hard. No, it's I don't, probably not a good book for you then. Cause like with books I like, I just can't like, I, 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 I space out from the road, you know, like I'm like, Oh, well, sorry, dude. I'm, I'm not driving. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wait, you're not driving. What I'm are you not, doing? Well, I like, I listen to it when I'm like hiking or oh, when I'm like hiking. fucking around the house, gardening or whatever. <laughs> I'm yeah. a gardener, Ben. Did you know that? No, I did not know. That. <laughs> I am. I have like uh, probably like 40 plants now at my house. Are you gonna live? Are you worried about the world ending or something? No, I just like plants. They're my friends. Oh, that's cute, man. I have I have a shit ton of succulents. Um, yeah, I went to Home Depot yesterday and I bought a whole bunch of like flowers and stuff for my little balcony that I have. You know, someone wrote in the feedback uh, on uh, iTunes. They said. They said Nathan is hilarious. Ben is the cute one. I was like, "What? What does that mean?" <laughs> but maybe you're the cute one. You're the one with the garden. <laughs> you're the one with four adorable little boys. Well, they might that's, be cute. That's pretty but, cute. Yeah. Um. So, how did this come up? Oh, right. <laughs> I was listening to Sapiens while I was doing my gardening and hiking and stuff, and I just like I found myself not. I was like not paying attention. I got, I mean, and then I would get back into it and I really liked it when I did pay attention. I really liked it, but, um, it's just not the same as like actually reading a book for me. Cause I can, I just, I can multitask, I guess the car, you're just sort of trapped there in your cage and there's not a lot you can do besides drive. Yeah. And text. Dri- uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I can't say a whole lot cause I've done that before, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> I'll try to minimize that. All right, let's get um, back to this. So, 
Well, here's the thing. Here's what. Here is the value that I, I understand the reading books that you enjoy and stuff. Yes. I I'm not as excited about that as you are. I think because a lot of times books that we enjoy are well written, and the LSAT's really pushing us to learn how to read things that are poorly written, which is a skill in and of itself. And I feel like it's a skill that you don't get to develop when you're reading stuff that you enjoy. Um, not to say that you're not benefiting. Um, there's certainly benefits from just processing words and getting better at doing that. So I, I do like that aspect of it. The one thing I'm thinking about here, uh, reading way too fast until your brain catches up. I, I don't like that idea, no. but I do think there is actually some merit to like, okay, so imagine that you're tracing your finger under the words, right? I've found that some people are, well, how is it that I describe this? They're like, they're not engaged, like we always talk about, and somehow picking up the pace a little bit, I'm not talking about a lot, gets them to sort of wake up and pay attention. And I'm not, what I actually say to them is I don't say, hey, like read quickly and keep going quickly, quickly, quickly. But what I am saying is like, get, like move your finger along there to help yourself like wake up and pay attention. And as soon as you don't understand something, stop and think about that. So it's a mix of actually going slow and going quickly, which may sound counterintuitive given a lot of the stuff that we've talked about, but I believe there may be some merit there. And so I'm not going to throw that out right away. I don't think what this person is talking about makes sense because it's so blanket. It's like read fast and just don't understand and then tell you understand. <laughs> Whereas I'm thinking like, hey, this person needs to wake up. So like kind of get in there and then stop whenever you don't understand something. I'm not saying just plow through it. So that's my kind of nuanced view of the whole really fast thing. I mean, but what you're saying, Ben, is like try harder. You're saying pay more attention, wake mm-hmm. up. Yeah. That's not the same thing as read super fucking fast so that you don't understand. That's true. I mean, that's, that's what this is saying. Force yourself to read way too fast until your brain catches up and it becomes comfortable. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? That's yeah. not even... <laughs> no. Read things and understand those things. I mean... When I say read shit you you like, what mm-hmm. I'm saying is 10 years from now, you're going to still need your reading capacity. Okay. Mm-hmm. 10 years from now, when you're a lawyer, you're going to be reading a lot of shit every single day. Yeah. The books you read today are going to teach you words. They're going to teach you patterns of argumentation, just patterns of writing. They're going to, you're going to have a deeper understanding of the English language if you read more books. Yeah. So all I'm saying is start a reading habit today. If you're not reading a book, that's a fucking mistake. You need to have a book always just have a book always. And if you don't like that book, quit it and start reading something else, but you need to have a book. Multiple books is fine. I have a, a good friend who's a really like good reader and she always has like six different books going. And so she can just sort of pick one up and, you know, whatever she's in the mood for. And it's just, it's like her way of just keeping herself reading because she has multiple books going at the same time. Yeah. But all I'm saying is find something you like and just get into it and just read it all the time because Mm -hmm. you're gonna find, I mean, it's like, I don't magically have a big vocabulary. I don't have a big vocabulary because I've studied word lists or anything stupid like that. Yeah. 
I have a big vocabulary because I've always been a reader since I was a little kid. And when you read a lot, then you become a, you just have a better vocabulary. It's like, duh. Yeah. Um, I don't, I just don't think that any of these speed reading techniques or any of that shit is going to actually help you on the LSAT. And I don't think reading your books is going to really help you on the LSAT. Like not today, not in the next month or two. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but like a year from now, if you, if you read, you know, a book a week for the next year, you're definitely going to learn from that. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm voting turd on this read way too fast. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's going to do more harm than good. Yeah. Okay. Um, please email the show help at thinking com If you want to submit something, you can tweet us at thinking LSAT. You can send us a note on Instagram at thinking LSAT. Um, we do appreciate your submissions. Um, so when you see some questionable or you think good advice out there, um, please send it to us and we will discuss it on the show. Uh, ready for this personal statement? Yeah. Okay. I don't want to read the summary of the personal statement. I want to just get into the personal statement. Yep. That's all that happens when it's submitted <laughs> to law school. They do not. The, yeah. We don't need to read your abstract of your personal statement because there is not going to be an abstract of your personal statement. It's just going to be your personal statement. Yeah. So you want to read it, Ben? Sure. Personal statement. Do we have a name here? Can we use the name? Yeah. It's uh, Arya. Oh, Ari. Ari. Okay. okay. Thank you, Ari. My whistle blast rang out three times across the pool deck, activating our emergency protocol. Huh. Okay. This is something that this person is doing, although it is written from the subject is the blast. But. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <It's> t- <laughs> he has an example, or he has an opportunity here to like, show himself in action. Yeah. And instead his whistle is in action, which is close, you know, because it is his whistle. It's not even the whistle. whistle. It's the blast. (laughs) The The whistle blast rang out. out. How'd that happen? Did you do it? Did (laughs) he takes himself out of it? I mean, ugh. yeah, no, it's like, Oh my my whistle! He, maybe he just dropped it. He's like, "What? What's it doing?" <laughs> yeah, or it could be like, you know, you could say my whistle if it was like the uh, you know the the big steam whistle at the like uh, at the factory or whatever that sure. blows and lets everybody yeah. in town know yeah. that it's time to start work or whatever. <laughs> I mean that that's what this could be. Yeah. It could be it, it could be the whistle from the train that this guy had nothing to do with, but it's his whistle because he's on the train, you know yard or whatever. Yeah. The bottom line here is that it requires us to like, our minds have to fill in like, okay, uh, Oh, I'm now imagining you up on your like lifeguard thing. I think that sounds like, I mean, we don't even know for sure, but that's what I'm guessing that he's a lifeguard and that he was blowing his whistle three times. Uh, a diver had clipped her leg on the board Thinking fast, I leaped into the water. I swam to her and thrust the lifeguard tube beneath her flailing arms. As we reached the edge of the pool, doesn't say that, another lifeguard, Mike, arrived with a backboard for extrication. Hmm. 
On my count, we pulled her and the backboard out of the water. While Mike and I checked her leg, she told me, if you hadn't been there, I don't know what I would have done. Mm. That's a lot of... It's this cinematic opening. It is a very cinematic opening. That people think they are supposed to do. But I'm supposed to be learning about you and your capacity to be a lawyer. You're supposed to be making a case for yourself as a lawyer. This, it's not lawyer shit, for one. Two, I mean, like that quote. If you hadn't been there, I don't know what I would have done. For one, it just doesn't even sound, it sounds fake. Yeah. It's like, it's oddly boring and fake sounding. Like she very likely, I mean, I believe you, Ari, that that's what she said, (laughs) but that's not a noteworthy quote. Hmm. I I just, okay. So you're, you're a lifeguard. That's what yeah. I've learned about you. Like this rescue doesn't teach me anything about you're a fucking lifeguard. Like lifeguards dive in the water and help people. Yeah. You know, like I imagine that this lifeguarding is on your resume. I just don't, I don't get it. I don't, what? Yeah. It's not the story I would tell. And I certainly wouldn't take, I mean, the, we haven't even double spaced this thing. But that's kind of a long-ish paragraph, right? Double-spaced. That's, I don't know. Well, let's see where this goes. So, at the age of 15, I became a certified lifeguard. Okay. Uh, I mean, we've talked about this before. I Talking about what you were doing when you were in high school is generally not helpful. So, I'm curious why you're giving us that fact, but let's take a look. I mean, I'm picturing you as an actual child now, and I don't want you to be a child. I want you to be an adult person who's going to be an asset to my law school. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, we don't need a lifeguard. We don't have a pool. (laughs) So we don't need a 15 year old at all. So I'm like, just, I'm, I'm sort of like impatient now. I'm like waiting for, okay, what, where are you going with this? Yeah. Uh, Ari continues, since then I helped a man with heart palpitations palpitations hmm. on a flight. I treated my friend's head trauma injury during a hiking trip. I have helped people more times than I can remember. Ugh. Okay, that's overselling. That's Through just, it all. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like, it, it's, it's, it's vague. It's overly broad. It's sort of like just bragging. I mean, you say overselling, but yeah, it's like, oh, really? Yeah, you've helped. I would assume you have. You've been a lifeguard for a long ass time. I would assume that you've helped people. You don't really need to tell me that. All right, go ahead. Through it all, I prided myself on my ability to keep a clear head. I never thought I would need this skill at home until one fateful night. What? I don't know. Like, I feel like this statement's starting to become like tragedy 
Central or something. Let, let's see what happens. It's a movie script. It's like it's now it's like real cinematic. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean one, one fateful, fateful night. night. <laughs> Come on. I like I'm on Ari's team, you know. I want Ari to be successful. And I'm just imagining putting myself in the shoes of these people who read personal statements all day, every day. Like you're wasting my time. I'm not, I'm not learning anything about your candidacy for law school here. You're telling me a story. Uh, I mean, that's good, I guess. But like two paragraphs in, I've learned that you became like, think about the facts here. Two paragraphs in, I have learned that you were a lifeguard starting at age 15 and then obviously you helped a bunch of people. You telling me that you keep a clear head. I don't, what? (laughs) You don't, don't tell me that. Don't, don't force that down my throat, please. All right. You're you're a first responder. Great. Good. Cool. But so what's this? Where are we going? All right, go ahead. Here's the fateful night. New Year's Eve, 2015. (laughs) With a period. It's even more dramatic. It's not a sentence. New Year's Eve, 2015. <laughs> it's like the Dark the, alleyway. <laughs> the subtitle comes across the bottom of the of the screen. Okay. Ten minutes later. Um, no, it doesn't say that. Sorry, I was just imagining yeah. the movie. My younger brother Yosef wanted to stay up through midnight. Hmm. My volatile father had other ideas. Yosef firmly planted himself on the couch. My father immediately began to rant and curse, threatening my brother with all manner of violent consequences. This happened often, and I could no longer tolerate seeing Yosef treated like nothing. I thought maybe this time I could help my brother. My pulse quickened with anticipation as I stood up and tried to break them apart. All of my father's fury turned to me. How dare I defy him in his own house? He stood six inches away with Biddle, flying, and words raging. I held my ground and said, stay away from my brother. Wow, this is a... This is a tough uh, family incident. Curious uh, what the plan here is. Yeah, because you're a child. It's like, this is... Now it's like... It's edging into like oversharing. Oversharing. Right? Yeah. Like we don't, dude, I'm really sorry, Ari, that you went through all this shit, but it's like, I don't, why, how is this putting your best foot forward for your law school application? You know, you have two pages to sell yourself as a lawyer. And here you're now getting in a fight with your dad. Your dad is abusive or whatever. And you're trying to defend your brother from your abusive dad. But that has, I mean, I, I, I can anticipate that you're going to be like, I'm a lawyer because I stand up for people. I help people or whatever, but that's not, I feel like that's just really misunderstanding what lawyers actually do all day. I, I just, and I don't, I don't know. It's like, it's too dark now. It's just like, it's like a bummer. Yeah. All right, here we go. My father looked me dead in the eyes. Get out of my house. Now. I had no words. My chest began to tighten. I somehow kept my face neutral as I went to my room to pack my clothes. 
The next day, I slept on an old couch and ate my friend's cereal. I had nobody to turn to for advice. I started reading articles about what to do when you have no home. My first trip to the local supermarket felt like an accomplishment. I remember feeling hunger, but not for food. I hustled between the tables that I waited. Oh, wait. So you, you have a job now? He's a waiter now. Yeah. He was a scru- lifeguard, now he's a waiter. I scribbled out to-do lists. I resolved to take my challenges one day at a time and focus on rebuilding my life. I began to pull myself together. My mom left soon after with several of my siblings and invited me to live with her. This time I moved with ease. What, what, why, why is he telling me this story? What is the point of this story? You went through family shit. You got in a fight with your dad. You had to leave the house. Later, your mom and dad got divorced. You moved in with her. You were a waiter. What? So what? I, you know, it's like, I'm, it's like, are you trying to make me feel sorry for you? Because I do, but like, that doesn't mean that I'm going to admit you to my law school. Yeah. I mean, I guess he's trying to show like resilience or whatever, but it's just, this is like, he's a kid. This is, um, tough. Let's see. We got two more paragraphs. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, I, I just, I can imagine somebody sitting there in the, you know, law school admissions office reading this and just kind of like, looking for the next file, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like this is not, you're not making any case for yourself here. This isn't teaching me anything about adult Ari. This is, you're telling me about your family drama, trauma. And it's, uh, I, what, what, how's this relevant? All right. Let's see. So, but the divorce had just begun. My mom sued for abuse and her lawyer, lawyer, Deborah, wanted me to testify. I said yes. Surprisingly, Deborah did not bother to prepare me for any questions. I would take the stand cold. As I sat outside the courtroom, I tried to calm my nerves. How hard it was to keep a clear head during a rescue. That's not a sentence. No, it's not. And what? What? Now we're, now we're back to the lifeguarding again. I don't... <laughs> okay. If I could do it then, I could do it now. I thought about all the times my father yelled at me, threatened me, or hit me. I remembered how I could shut out any distractions, emotional or otherwise, and focus only on the present. When they called me to testify against my father, I strode into the courtroom and took the stand. Through a long hour, I endured the rigorous examination. I answered all the questions. I stuck to the truth, despite the lawyer's best attempts to twist my words. I kept my emotions in check as painful memories flooded to the surface. When the questioning concluded, I walked out of the courtroom past the contemptuous face of my father with my head held high. <sighs> I, this, I mean, this sucks. I don't know what happened, and, but I'm getting the same kind of feeling that I got when we read the personal statement about the guy taking the kids from the family or the oh. <laughs> yeah. you know like i get this it's like 
this is not a situation where anyone wins. No, no. one is winning. And no. why are you talking about it like like there was a victory here? Like you held your right. head high, you stood strong. Like I it's shitty for every it sucks for you, it sucks for your father. I mean, I'm not I don't I, I'm not trying to defend your father by any means. I'm just mean like everybody has lost here. And this is what I think what you were saying, Nathan, earlier, like about oversharing, it's like these are things that we just have to kind of own up in our own lives and sometimes keep them to ourselves. I mean, not saying you should keep it to yourself, self. Maybe you need to talk to your family about it, but not to someone you don't know in an admissions office far away. This would be an instant no from me if I was reading this. If I was like, you know, presumably... I'm either reading your, I'm reading your personal statement to make sure you're not like a psychopath. I'm also reading your personal statement. You know, I mean, that's if you're like a clear admit, right? If you've got yeah. the numbers, yep. then I'm reading your personal statement so that I can just check to see what kind of a person you are. And when I read this, I'm like, Oh boy, I don't know about this. Yeah. Like this, this, why is he sharing so much here? And he's painting his dad as a villain and he's just, it's not what that's the case you're making for yourself. I don't, I, it's a, it's like a, just a huge bummer. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that that would, you know, if you had the numbers, I'd probably have to admit you anyway, <laughs> but if you were on the bubble and I was comparing you to someone else with similar numbers, mm-hmm. I would absolutely pick a happier person. I would not pick a person who's just telling me about this major fucking bummer. Yeah. It's not, this is just not appropriate. This is not an appropriate topic for a personal statement in my, in my book at all. We have one paragraph more. Yeah. I mean, you know what? As a general principle, don't fucking tell me about any courtroom experiences that you have. I don't, unless you are working in a law firm, <laughs> like I want to know about those, but I don't want to know about any personal, any personal brushes with the law. I don't think I've ever seen a single personal statement where personal brushes with the law made sense. Well, you also have to realize that when you're talking about a legal case to people who are in the legal profession, they of all people realize that there are two sides to every story. Yeah. And so when you start walking in here and saying like, look, my father was all bad. My mom and my siblings were all good. I I don't know if that's true. Like I'm assuming that it is, but at the same time, the idea that it's, that there's this like pure side, the good side, and then there's like this dark side and it's so black and white is just not very common. So it's very hard to believe. That's all. Well, it's just, your dad, I mean, he might be a huge dick, but I don't think that your dad is the villain of his own story. If he told the story, I don't think he's going to be looking at you with contempt. And I don't think he's going to, you know, he's not. Yeah. It's just what you're saying, Ben. He's going to have a side to the story. He's going to have an attorney. He's going to have a case. He's going to have a life. And yeah, it's just this, like you, I don't know. I think it comes off as just extremely naive. Yeah. And this is not, not just Ari. It's like every single person who ever talks about their encounters with the law. 
Yeah. You know, not to shit on our guests, but remember when Craig was talking about how he had been like wrongly arrested or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. We didn't <laughs> dig into that, but it's no, we like... didn't because it's, I, my eyes were rolling so far back in my head. It's just like, yeah, yeah. You were drunk and doing fucking stupid things and you got arrested and you felt like you were, you felt like you, it was unjust. And so then you became a lawyer. All right. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's, that's a very just, common theme. Like people yeah. get messed up with the law and they're like, I was, it's, it's, they say the same thing too. Like I was unjustly accused and I'm sure that there are cases out there, but even then you have to be careful how you present yourself because so many people are going to be like, are are your hands really that clean? I had to testify. My parents got divorced. Those are, these are very common. You don't want to be common. These are extremely common stories. You're not like, I mean, really like you're going to pump yourself up for how cool, calm and collected you were for your one hour of getting, of getting, um, questioned in a trial. Really? One hour. Ooh, boy, what an arduous. (laughs) Oh, you're you're a lawyer for sure. Now it's just, it, it, boy, it just, this is, I, so far there's nothing keepable in this personal statement. This has got to go all of it. It's, we got to tell a different story entirely. Here's the last paragraph. Yeah. With the help of my testimony, my mom won her lawsuit. Your testimony was the uh, crutch, huh? Yeah. Like he's a great, he's a, he's fucking Clarence Darrow here. He's like, I'm, I have the amazing courtroom presence. My <laughs> testimony. <laughs> I mean, I know and Ari dude, really, I don't take it personally. It's just that, you know, we're reading this as people who don't know you at all. And the people who read this, they're not going to know you at all. And they're going to be reading it very critically. And, and they this would just, never say this to you. They'd never write back and say nope. this. But this is what they're thinking. Your friends and, and family won't probably, do it either. <laughs> your professor who, you know, you got you convinced to help read your personal statement. They're never going to give you this kind of feedback. But we will. <laughs> the other thing afraid. is, I think people don't realize how cynical the admissions folks are. I mean, you just have to recognize that once you start doing something day in and day out, you just start to get sick of the same stuff. We have done a fraction. <laughs> we have reviewed a fraction of the personal statements that these people review. And it doesn't take very many to already be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Another one of these. Another one I'm of thinking. these. It's like, yep. how often do they have to do that? Oh, I'm God. sure they don't finish reading, what, 60% of the ones they start? 80%? They must start reading them and be like, oh my gosh, not this again. Next. Yeah, skim through it, you know, read the last lines or whatever. All right, want to read the last paragraph? Sure. It says, with the help of my testimony, my mom won her lawsuit. As we pulled our lives together, these moments testifying stuck with me the most. I often remind myself not only how it felt to exit the courtroom triumphant, but also the tenacity it took to get there. What, what tenacity? <laughs> you, your parents got divorced and you had to testify. How's that tenacity? He held it together. He didn't cry. <laughs> At the, uh, okay. I don't know. I work until the job is done. Oh, my God. Don't say that. <laughs> it's well, it's pure, it's telling, but it's also using an example to try to show that. And the example doesn't have anything to do with you, honestly. 
You're not a fucking lawyer. You didn't do this lawsuit. You got called and you were on the witness stand for an hour. If well, that. How is that? I work until the job is done. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, I keep a clear head throughout. Neither change nor stressful situations bother me. And I still plan my daily schedule so I can be productive. What? <laughs> You plan? Wow. Oh my God. Wait, hold on. Hold, hold up, Ben. I just changed my mind. Ben, this guy plans his daily schedule so he could be productive. We got to put him, come on. We have to admit him now. <laughs> no one else does that. Oh, geez. It's all telling. Those That's last four sentences or whatever, it's just like purely, I, it's like, yeah, just telling me about your characteristics. I don't, please don't fucking tell me about your characteristics. You need to show me you doing things and you testifying is not a fucking thing. That's not a thing. That's not an accomplishment. <laughs> you were, that is a, that's like about as passive as it could possibly be. You know, they, <laughs> I don't know if you were subpoenaed or what, but they called you to the witness stand. You went up there and they asked you questions. You didn't have any fucking choices, really. I mean, I guess you could have not testified or you could have lied at what? All right, finish it up. In a way, I am thankful for my lifeguarding and family challenges. Hmm. In, a, in a way, I'm thank What? <laughs> Now I know I can do whatever I put my mind to. Because of this, I will succeed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Ari, we love you, man. Thank you for sending this in to us. Um, you need to definitely... So let's read... Um, Let's read Ari's email here. Dear Nathan and Ben, I'm writing my personal statement and I think it's going well. I have a good story, but I'm not sure how to conclude. To give you an idea of the structure, I describe a rescue I made as a lifeguard. I say that keeping a clear head helped me on a really important night. I describe the night that I got kicked out of my house. My parents started a divorce right after. I describe my experience I had testifying and how I kept a clear head. I'm not confident in my conclusion. I don't want to make claims about what is a good lawyer trait, but keeping a clear head seems beneficial. Any ideas for the conclusion? I feel like this is like <laughs> how all our personal statement package people work, right? Like they, they say, oh, I got, a, I got a draft here. We send it to you. And they're, they're so concerned about some random specific idea in the draft that they don't see the big picture. It's like, yeah, you need to blow up the whole thing. You need to stop worrying about this random thing because y none of this is working. Or, well, yeah. You don't need an introduction and you don't need a conclusion. You don't have time for an introduction and a conclusion in a personal statement. You just yeah. need to make a fucking statement. And this statement, I have, I keep a clear head. Uh, Give me one sentence about the fact that you were a lifeguard. Don't even say clear head. Just as a throwaway one sentence line, you might mention lifeguarding and let me fill in the blanks of like, oh, okay. Been through some shit. Yeah. But 
you don't, you don't need a conclusion. You don't need to like heavy handedly tie your experiences to the law. This whole personal state, this whole thing is gone. Like if, if we're, if we're doing our personal statement service for Ari, (laughs) this is like a complete zero. This is a start over from the beginning. Yeah. Because I I'm picturing you as a 15 year old lifeguard. I'm picture and I'm picturing you with all this weird family trauma that I just frankly don't even want to know about. And you're like, you're making, you're bumming me out and you're making me picture you as a kid. So I don't know, <laughs> like, you know, the whole thing about like saving lives too is, is just like, well, okay, then why are you not, why aren't, why aren't you going to medical school or why are you not like, if that's what you want to do, why are you here? So I just don't. And then the, like, he's, tr- he's doing that thing where he tries to tie it in with his own personal courtroom experiences. Mm-hmm. but that's just the worst possible tie that looks so naive. That's like, I went to court once. And so now I'm going to become a lawyer. I agree. Yeah. Ari, I don't know how old Ari is, but I'm picturing Ari as a 15 year old lifeguard. And I'm like, Ari's a kid through this whole thing. Yeah. We don't know how, how old you are. When oh, you actually court. he is young because this is new year's Eve 2015 when he's getting kicked out of his house. Mm. So I assume he's, uh, you know, what, 16, 17, maybe when that happens. So now he's like a junior in college and about yep. to graduate. Yep. Hmm. Well, what have you then, done in college? What have yeah, you done? Totally. Yeah. Tell me about your internship. Tell me about your involvement on campus. Uh, tell me about anything where, you know, tell me about your work that you're doing now. If you're waiting tables, I would like to hear about what you're doing waiting tables today. That, that would be much more appropriate than this. And if you're lifeguarding, I would like to hear about your lifeguarding today. Like, tell me about your coworkers. Tell me about the way it all works. Tell me a, a, a like as professional a story as possible. If it has to be academic, you know, if it has to be about what you're doing in school, that's fine. I mean, it's not like it's a secret that they, they know how old you are. Right. So when you're applying right out of college, they know, they see your resume, they know you're in college, but you, you're just not going anywhere by telling stories from when you're 15. Yep. Sorry. What were you going to say? I'm talking right over you. Oh no, it's all right. I was just going to say that like, he should also think about why he's going to law school. Like, Ari, are you going because of this experience? And if so, um, you got to understand what you're going to be doing as a lawyer and decide whether that's what you want to do. He's a, uh, he's not a bad, um, writer. No, there's lots of short sentences here, which is a sign of a good writer. Yeah, I agree. Um, It flowed. It was natural language. Yeah almost throughout the entire thing. There was one uh, fragment, which didn't make sense, or two fragments, I guess, but nothing nothing serious. Yeah, he, he can fix those things. And, you know, like we say all the time, if you're a good enough writer, you can get away with things like, you know, the New Year's Eve 2015 period, sure. which is just actually not a sentence. But you could get away with that sometimes. 
If you you're could. a good enough writer, you can get it. I mean, I don't think it's necessary. If everything else is good, but, then right. people recognize it as you breaking the rules for emphasis. If if you right. make mul- more than <laughs> one or two mistakes, though, then those other mistakes start to look like, oh, you don't know what you're doing. You have to prove yourself everywhere else. And you've actually... I, I don't think I noticed any commas out of place or anything like that. No. So I think, like, it was clear to us that you knew that that was a fragment. I'm not sure about that second fragment. Though. No, that, that, that one was, was a broken sentence. But it, it's you know, he he is he's he's a he's a strong enough writer for sure. I don't say that if I don't mean it. Yeah. He's he's a good writer. That's not going to be the problem at all. But he's telling completely 100 percent the wrong story. So. Back to the drawing board, Ari. Um, just you got to tell me a more adult story, and and leave the dark, weird family shit out of it. I don't. I just don't see. Well, whatever, right? I mean, you could you could probably tell the story a different way to get that into the the mix somehow. But it's just I don't know. It's not about you, and it's too much of a bummer. I mean, it is about you, but it's not about you doing things, really. It's just about, like, you you got a shitty draw with your family shit. Yeah. And that's a bummer. It's not, that's not a, um, no one's going to read that and go like, oh, wow, we have to have this person in our school. Yeah. You know? Well, you know how we always say, like, it depends. <laughs> People ask, can I write about this topic? Yeah. And we're like, well, it depends on how you write about it. Right. And and there are some topics like this one where it's almost impossible to write about it well. But I think what you're saying and what I'm thinking right now is that this might be something that someone could write about it. But the fact that you talked about being triumphant, that there was this like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. That's where people fall down. That's where it's like you're writing about this topic and what you're saying about it reveals other things about you that suggest uh, you're naive or I don't young or whatever. And so that's where you're failing to write about the topic. Well, if someone else, if you had come to me and said, or your statement had said something like, you know, my parents got divorced and when they got divorced, I had to testify in court. And I was surprised how formulaic or, you know, regimented the process was. I was expecting this, but it turned out to be this. And since then, I've learned more about the legal process or something. That's a total, you're still telling the same story to some degree. You're leaving out the, the bad, the unnecessary details. And you're also giving us your perspective on the event and that perspective is what's encouraging or suggests understanding or maturity. Um, and so when we talk about how do you talk about event, that's why it's so important. Because are you talking about it in a way that makes us have confidence in your perspective on the world and life? Or is it? are you talking about it in a way that's making us feel like uh, you actually don't know what you're talking about? Yeah, this is this is not doing anything for me as far as like you, you're a lawyer, you know, this Mm -hmm. is, you got, you got called to testify one time and that, you know, you've been inside a courtroom. Great. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't, that's has, that's like 0% lawyer. Yeah. It just has nothing to do with it. Yeah. 
I mean, I would literally rather you tell me about getting coffee in a law firm because then you actually know lawyers and you've been in a law office before. Yeah. But getting called to testify one time with no preparation. So what? (laughs) Whatever. I don't. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you, Ari. I hope you know that we shit on your personal statement out of love. Thanks for thanks for continuing to send in your personal statements, people. We do um, we do enjoy reading them, and I think you can boy benefit a lot. But um, y'all need yeah, people need help. <laughs> yeah, we um, have a service, Ben, that people can um, engage us. You have to go to thinkingelsat.com if you want to sign up for our personal statement service. Yeah. Uh, all right. Ready for this Kaplan thing? Yeah. All right. Hi, Nathan. I got this and thought you might find it interesting slash amusing. I think the highest score I received while I was at Kaplan was a 161. Also, the student ambassador link doesn't go to a functioning page. (laughs) Hope you've had a great week, Victoria. Thanks, Victoria. So she apparently had taken a Kaplan class. Okay. She achieved a whopping 161 on a practice test while she was in the Kaplan class. Okay. And they get this, she gets this email. Greetings from Kaplan's recruitment team. We're expanding our elite core of instructors by hiring the best and brightest of our alumni. And your strong performance on Kaplan practice tests caught our attention. Okay. Because you've successfully mastered Kaplan's strategies and techniques... <laughs> She got she got a 161, Ben. That was her highest practice test score while she was at Kaplan. Well, <laughs> and they so now if you use their techniques and you get a 161, <laughs> that does mean that you've mastered them. Yeah, you have. You know what? They are, I think they are uh they are I think that people can benefit from Kaplan if you're at like 140 and trying to make it to 150. Yep. But <laughs> But uh, there's going to be a serious limit on how high you're going to be able to uh, make it (laughs) with Kaplan's idiotic strategies. Oh, boy. Because you've successfully mastered Kaplan's strategies and techniques, we invite you to apply to enjoy our team of test prep enthusiasts. To enjoy or to join? To join. Did I say enjoy? You did say To join our team of test prep enthusiasts. If you're interested in joining us, Please let us know here. We'd love to share more information about our roles. Exclamation point. Apologies if you've already received this message. We're eager to spread the news about our open positions. Sincerely, the Kaplan Recruiting Team. P.S. If you scored in the 99th percentile on the official GMAT, GRE, or LSAT and have previous teaching experience, you may be qualified to teach for Manhattan Prep where available. Whoa, 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 wait. Hold up. This reminds me. Manhattan Prep was bought out by Kaplan, wasn't it? Correct. Interesting. Yeah, Manhattan Prep, which used to be pretty solid, I think. I assume that now Kaplan is shitting on them. You know, this is so telling right here, actually. It's like, if you're actually elite, then you could work for Manhattan. Yeah. 
Don't work for <laughs> well, us. Don't work for Kaplan. God, no. You're, you're no way. If you score, if you did score 99, I mean, for anybody out there who's like considering a career in test prep, if you score 99th percentile on any of these tests, then you have much better options. <laughs> Kaplan's going to pay you like $20 an hour. Testmasters, PowerScore, Manhattan, Blueprint, those places are going to pay you more like 50 to $100 a teaching hour. Yeah. And so those are those are much better options than ever working. I mean, ever like <laughs> I can't believe people even take a fucking Kaplan class. This is like it's literally right here in their recruiting email. They earlier had said our elite core of instructors or whatever. <laughs> but then now they're just saying here in this first PS, actually, if you really did score 99th percentile, you shouldn't work for us. You should work for Manhattan, which is a better version of us. Well, notice too that they talk about the official LSAT in this PS, but they do not talk about that anywhere else because I don't think that's a requirement of theirs. The last I know it's it wasn't a requirement of theirs a few years ago. I've just stopped even like following Kaplan or what <laughs> yeah. they do. No, they. Ha- I mean, I've told the story before, but like when I wanted to be an SAT teacher back in Boston a long time ago. I walked in there looking for an SAT job and they said, no, we're full up on SAT instructors, but here's a practice LSAT, which I had never seen before. And based on my performance on a practice LSAT that I did in their office, they hired me on the spot as their LSAT teacher. At least you hadn't seen that test before. I had mentioned, <laughs> right, that people know about it. <laughs> well, because I had a guy who worked for me who came from Kaplan. He said, well, people know which tests they're going to give, so they look at the test but." <laughs> before they take it i was like well geez so you don't even have to get a a high score you can get a 164 or something like that on a self-administered kaplan test but you really don't even have to get a 164 because you just have to (laughs) know how to look at a test until you're able to get a 164 (laughs) geez that's not good PPS, we're looking for passionate, highly motivated student brand ambassadors to join our Kaplan test prep family. In this position, you'll increase Kaplan's visibility on campus and social media with the goal of building futures. Learn more at, and then (laughs) Victoria said that that's the link that didn't even work. Mm. Um, About Kaplan. Kaplan Test Prep is an industry-leading employer with over 70 years of experience and opportunities throughout the U.S. and Canada. We employ over 10,000 smart and highly motivated employees who deliver on our mission our mission every day to build futures one success story at a time. If you like the idea of transforming lives, build your career at Kaplan. <laughs> we need this stuff. We need stuff like this. Yeah, should we just start like the thinking else that podcast mission is to build futures <laughs> one sucker at a time? <laughs> yeah, oh my god, oh boy. So, yeah, everyone out there, please do not ever take a Kaplan class. And if you're in a Kaplan class, um, I'm sorry, and you maybe ask them for a refund. If you complain enough, they might give you a refund. They're just really bad. Wow. They are bad. I, I hear that people take these classes because they're like, oh, there's no other live option in my um, area. But the reality is these days, there's too many good online options to force yourself to go to a live class. I, I think 
you got to get over that assumption that because you quote learn better in a live class that Kaplan is going to be better than an online option. I'm I'm like really starting to lose patience for that whole thing. When when people tell like people reach out to me, you know, they call me or whatever and then they insist on yeah, no, I'm really looking for a live I really I just I do better in a live classroom environment. And it's like do you really <laughs> like I like live classroom teaching. Yeah. But even my live classes have just a significant online component and you're going to have to do this work yourself. At some point, you're going to have to take responsibility and do the fucking work. Yeah. Like if you think that just signing up for a live class and just have the fact that you have to come to class, like that's going to do something for you. Um, to me, it just sounds like you maybe don't have the work ethic, you know, that's going to be required to really, to really have a successful legal career. Yeah. I, you, you, what do you think lawyers do every day? Lawyers go to work and they sit there. It's a very solitary thing. Yeah. I mean, you got a big ass mountain of work and you're going to have to do it. And you know, like you don't want to be looking at screens. That's what lawyers do. They look at fucking computer screens. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. I mean, I'll keep doing live classes. I I really enjoy the live classroom environment, but if, if Kaplan is the only option in your town, um, yeah, you need to be, you need to just do online. Sorry. Uh, ready to wrap it up Ben? yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, Hey, join our, uh, thinking else podcast group on Facebook. There's like 1300 some people there. Give our Facebook page a like, please. We already talked about Instagram, Twitter. If you want to learn about Ben's classes in DC, go to strategyprep.com. If you want to learn about my classes in LA or San Francisco, go to foxlsat.com. We do uh, one-on-one tutoring online using the demon. Definitely go to lsatdemon.com and sign up for the free trial. Uh, the demon continues to grow and get better and better every day. Um, I'm all caught up, Ben, on explanations from the demon. Yes. Uh, right now, people are literally getting email tutoring from me because they request a question and I like immediately write back a response. Yep. Where I fully explain the question. And um, so you're getting <laughs> that's pretty amazing value actually right now for your $95 a month. Eventually, I will cover every single one of those. How, how long do you think it's going to take, Ben, for me to write an explanation for every logical reasoning question? Okay. Well, there's about... Uh, what is there? There's about 4,300 of them. How long does it take mm. you to write one? 20 minutes? Yeah, sometimes less, sometimes more. It depends on how much I like get into it, you know? Yeah. Okay, so 43,000 times 20 minutes. 4,300. Sorry, 4,300, my bad. Um, 20 minutes, that's 86,000. Divided by 60 is 1,000 hours. and 1,400 hours divided by 24, that's 59 days. 60 days <laughs> of straight working. <laughs> um Cool. Yeah. So I'll finish that. Let's see. Sometime in 2022. And I'll take over the podcast. 
No, you just got to work straight for 60 days, Nathan. And yeah. And when you hop on the show, you can keep writing. I'll just start yeah. talking and then you can just kind of be like, because you'll be dead, basically. I ran out of writing prompts yesterday and I just started doing questions in the demon and then seeing if there was a response, uh, seeing if there was a, an explanation and there mm. wasn't, or mm. there was no written explanation. So I just yeah, yeah. wrote a couple extra explanations yesterday while I was sitting in, in the Starbucks. Um. <clears throat> Alrighty, that was show number 188. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.